It's Thursday, April 26th. I'm Laura Lee Siemens. So Mother's Day is actually coming up pretty soon. It's kind of around the corner. So if you're looking for a Mother's Day speaker, check out my webpage at lauraleesiemens.com. I would love to come and share my story of life and adoption. So to get more information about that, go to lauraleesiemens.com. So we started, we've been lately starting the podcast with a little bit of Canadian history. So we're going to be doing that again today. Did you know that Canada had 30 six founding fathers. That's pretty cool. They were lawyers, businessmen, doctors, even some journalists. So here's a story about one of our founding fathers. Charles was born on a farm in Nova Scotia and his father was a Baptist preacher. His mother was known for being a really devout Christian woman. So uh, Charles kind of, he grew up with a really great childhood on the farm with his family and his mother taught him for most of his education, but then in 1837, he went to school for Latin and Greek. And Charles really enjoyed school, and he ended up becoming a teacher. But a year after his teaching job, he ended up quitting, and he went to school to become a doctor. So Charles became a doctor in 1843. And while Charles, he really enjoyed school, his father was not happy about how it changed him. Charles began drinking and he also started going to the theater. Both of those things were condemned in the Baptist church. And then Charles married Francis Morse and they joined the Anglican church. And this was very disappointing to his father. So Charles became a really, really great doctor. He was known for being a doctor who would never, ever give up on you. He would visit you in the middle of the night and he never went anywhere unless he had his doctor bag with him. And then Charles had this friend named James William Johnson. He was a really strong Baptist, and he was the head of the Conservative Party of Nova Scotia. So James convinced Charles to run for office. And then in, in 1859, Charles won the election, but it wasn't a majority. And the Liberals then called a no-confidence vote, and that forced another election. This time, the Conservatives won with a majority. In 1864, Charles passed the first Free School Act. This would give free education to everyone. And at first he said this would be done with no new taxes. But very soon that changed and a new tax was added to cover the cost. The Baptists were worried that if the government ran the schools, then the Bible wasn't going to be taught. So Charles promised this would never happen and he guaranteed that the Baptists would be allowed to teach the Bible in the schools and he actually said it was going to be a mandatory subject. So this didn't make the Catholics very happy because they wanted to teach the Bible and the Catholics and the Baptists had a different view on the Bible. So Charles promised that as long as the Catholics taught the rest of the mandatory subjects in the school, they would be allowed to have their own schools where Bible could be taught the way the Catholics wanted to. So just like that, you had public school and Catholic school. However, the Baptists were running the public school. So it was really the Baptist school and the Catholic school. In 1854, Tupper was feeling a lot of pressure to have Nova Scotia join the Union because the Union was starting to form. But Tupper was really against it because he said it felt to him like just a British version of America. And he didn't really think it was going to work. And he actually said, in this case, a man would be regarded as a mere dependent on an empire, which however great and glorious, does not recognize him as entitled to any voice in the Senate or possess any interest worthy 
of regard. So basically what he was saying is he didn't want to be part of an empire that doesn't care what you think, no matter how great that empire is. Topper would rather have had the idea of being a completely independent country from Britain. But then the Civil War broke out in the States in 1861, and then Charles changed his mind because he was afraid that the Americans were going to attack them. And that's when he realized maybe being part of a larger union could be helpful. He also came to realize that Nova Scotia would never be significant on the world stage unless it was part of something bigger. At this time, there was a treaty the colonies had with America, and that allowed free trade back and forth between the colonies and the Americans. But the Americans tore up this treaty, and at that time, the colonies knew that free trade was essential to the growth of the colonies. So Charles knew that if Nova Scotia joined the Union, then they would have free trade guaranteed among the provinces. So in 1864, Charles represented Nova Scotia in Charlottetown, Quebec, as the founding fathers began to put our country together. Charles, however, was a terrible negotiator, so he ended up giving away the rights of Nova Scotia to protect itself for only 80 cents per capita. So then Nova Scotia joined the Union, they ended up in a huge deficit. In 1866, in a meeting in London, England, the final stages of Canada was being put together, and then the question of schooling came up. So the federal government was going to allow provinces to control their own schools. However, each province had to allow the separate schools to remain that had been established before Federation. This meant the Catholic school and the public schools would both remain. Another important thing was settled, and that was a free trade between the provinces. So they put in a section called Section 121, and that said all articles of growth from one province shall be admitted freely into another province. All right, so Canada officially became a country July 1st, 1867. The main thing on Charles' agenda was the railroad, and Charles served in a bunch of different positions, but he kept getting into really big fights with Sir John A. Macdonald, over the railroad. And the fighting actually got so bad that in 1884, Charles resigned and he went back to Nova Scotia. And Nova Scotia was actually talking about succeeding from the Union. So things were really not going well for Canada. But then in 1891, Sir John A. Macdonald died and Charles saw an opening to maybe become the Prime Minister. So he went back to Ottawa. And Charles was given the job of Secretary of State. But once he got there and took the job, he basically just took over the Conservative Party. Now, there was this huge disagreement going on in Manitoba. And once again, it was about the schools. So Manitoba wanted to get rid of the Catholic schools and only have the public schools, which was being run by the Baptists. So Charles fixed the problem by just saying, sorry, the Catholic schools were given the right at Federation to stay, so they stay. End of discussion. This ended up actually dividing the Conservative Party, and the fighting got so bad that the Conservative leader, who was the Prime Minister at the time, Bull, he stepped down from office. So then Charles took his place and ended up becoming the sixth Prime Minister of Canada. But 69 days later, there was an election held, and the Conservatives lost. So that made Charles the shortest Prime Minister in Canadian history. So then Charles became the leader of the opposition and he continued to serve in parliament, but he would not ever be the prime minister again. So in all those years of serving office, Charles always had his doctor bag with him. It sat under his chair while he was in parliament 
and it was always within an arm's reach. When Charles left office, he was a very, very wealthy man, and he started a loan business, and he died a very, very wealthy man, but he was known for being a pursuit of power and fortune. So that's just a little Canadian history for you, but as a Christian, I find this story fascinating as it shows that our nation was founded by those who were either Christians themselves or at least heavily influenced by Christianity. On top of that, the idea that Baptist teachings was an important part of our school system is amazing, and I wish that it still was. So why is studying history so important for Christians? Well, have you heard people complain about there being a Catholic school system? Well, now you know why there is one. Do you hear people say that God should not be in the public school? Well, at the very beginning of Canada, it was promised that God and the Bible would always be in the public school system. This week, there was a court case that was lost, basically because we have forgotten our history. So there was a man named Gerald Como, and he bought 14 cases of beer in Quebec, and he brought it across the border into New Brunswick. And as you know, because we just talked about it, that was decided in our constitution, admitted free into any other province. Well, he was stopped at the border and his beer was taking, taken away and he was fined. Apparently, it's actually against the law to bring some goods across the border from one province to another province. I don't know, does that seem kind of insane to you? Like, I was shocked when I found that out. So Gerald ended up taking this to court and he won. But then the case went to the Supreme Court where they lost because they said the Constitution wasn't clear enough. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's completely clear. So right now, if you buy beer and you cross the border from one part of Canada into another part of Canada, you're breaking the law. Plus, this Supreme Court decision just allows any province now to make up any law saying you can't take a product from one province and bring it into another province. So while our provincial borders are being protected, from Canadians traveling from one province to another province, our national borders are basically just a joke now. We're expecting around 400 people a day this summer to cross our border illegally. We're expecting around 60,000 people to just break into our country. Every one of them is going to get free housing and social security checks until the government can look at their case, which could take up to 11 years because there are so many of them. Look, Canada is a really generous country and Canadians are generous people and we want to help those in need. But that generosity is going to disappear really fast if this continues. A huge problem this has created is the wait time for the people coming in here legally. Those who started the process are now in very real danger from their government, who will be pretty angry when they find out that they're trying to leave. One person who's facing political and religious persecution, who has a sponsor here in Canada, has been told she has to wait 89 months. 89 months! So for years, she has to stay in the country that wants to kill her, even though she is someone in Canada who will sponsor her and help her. But those coming across the border illegally can just walk right in. So the border is basically a joke now. We don't even have one. But there's a treaty between the Americans and Canadians called the Safe Third Country Agreement that says people can't cross the border between Canada and the United States and claim refugee status. But that treaty 
only talks about our borders that are maintained as actual borders. It doesn't say anything about the field in Quebec that hundreds of people are walking across every single day. So the Conservatives this week, they were in Parliament and they asked that the entire border between the United States and Canada actually be labeled a border so that we can turn people away. The Liberals voted against this. And the NDP actually voted against it also. But NDP, their reasoning was so weird. It makes no sense. They said they didn't like the term illegal crossing. They would rather it be called irregular crossing. Okay. Now, Quebec is furious because they can't afford to pay for all those people. And the school cannot take all the kids coming in. So Trudeau doesn't want to lose Quebec. That's basically the only reason he got in. So he found a solution. He's going to bust them all to Ontario. That's his actual plan. So get ready, Ontario. The problem is going to be yours. So about 400 people a day are going to walk across the border to Quebec. The government's going to put them on a bus and ship them over to Ontario. Just in case you're thinking the government couldn't get more messed up, you are wrong. So remember how the government refused to give grants to anyone who was not pro-life? They shut down a bunch of summer camps in Canada because a lot of summer camps are run by churches. Well, he won't give you grants if you're pro-life, but he will give you grants if you're trying to shut down a pipeline the government says they're trying to promote. So there's an actual posting for summer jobs paid for by your tax dollars for teens to spend the summer trying to get the Kinder Morgan Pipeline project stopped. So crazy you think I made it up, but I didn't. So you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook and you can get more information on this story because I will definitely be following it and posting lots of updates. All right, so those stories so far, they're annoying and also concerning since I think each one of those stories are unconstitutional. However, this week has been an intense week and some pretty horrible stories. So we're going to talk about those now. So on Monday, as I was arriving home from bringing my daughter to gymnastics, I heard the news that a van had run over a bunch of people in Toronto. This, of course, instantly brings to mind the van attacks carried out by Islam in Europe and also New York. However, anyone who dared to mention that was, of course, racist. Even though, once again, Islam is not a race. So a few different witnesses said it was a man that looked like he might be Middle Eastern. However, the narrative was really quickly that he was a white man. In fact, the news station in the States released his name first before the Canadian media, and they said his name was Alec, so with a K, but the Canadian media at first was saying his name was Alex with an X, although that was corrected fairly soon. But as soon as his name was released, a Facebook post of Alec belonging to a group called 4chan was found. And in this Facebook post, Alec said he wanted to kill women because none of them would sleep with him, for real. And the media ran with this. Although on Wednesday, the Star reported that Facebook had said the page for Alec had been created after the van had already run over people and that they weren't sure who had created the page. I'm going to say probably not Alec unless he created the Facebook page and made the post after he ran over people but before he was arrested. Still, this is a theory most people now believe that Alec ran over women 
with his van because no one would sleep with him. Alex appeared in court on Tuesday and some media is reporting that he is autistic. So this for me is concerning since autistic people don't tend to be violent. And I know some autistic people and I know parents who have autistic children and they're not violent. And unless someone has somehow convinced them to do it. So I feel like there's a lot more to the story. So we will be updating on this as more information comes in. In the meantime, families are torn apart. People have died and it is a sad day in Canadian history. And as a Christian, we can only look at this story and feel sadness for all the people who are lost. And we can remember that life is short and we need to be focused on eternity and not on our treasures here on earth. The next story is another disheartening and horrific story that happened on Monday also. It's unfolding actually as I'm speaking and even as you were listening to this, it probably has already changed and there's probably more updates. So there's going to be a blog that I'm going to be following on this story. So if you go to my webpage at lauraleesiemens.com, click on blog and look at the euthanasia, euthanasia question because I will be updating this information as it comes in. So here's the story. It goes back to May 2016. Elfie Evans was born to Kate and Tom. He was healthy and right on time. The very young parents were just 20 years old and they were overjoyed. Elfie went home, he was eating and sleeping with no problems. He was growing and everything seemed fine. Then the parents noticed he was sleeping a lot and he also started to not meet some milestones. So Kate and Tom noticed that sometimes Elfie's hands would make jerking motions and his eyes would sometimes roll upward and they were afraid that he was having seizures. So three times Kate took her baby to see a doctor and the doctor said Elfie was just lazy and there was nothing wrong with him. So in December, Christmas 2016, Elfie got a chest infection and Kate and Tom took him to the hospital. They had no idea that the hospital was basically going to kidnap their child. With the chest infection, Elfie was having a really hard time breathing, so the doctors put him on life support. A few weeks later, January, Kate and Tom were told their child was going to die, but Elfie didn't die. He beat the infection and started breathing on his own. He was moving, opening his eyes. Things were looking really good. Then Elfie caught another chest infection and had to be put back on the breathing machine. So this happened multiple times. Elfie, Elfie would get over an infection and then shortly would catch it again. So during this time, Elfie was put under heavy medication to keep him sedated. In February, so three months after being in the hospital, the doctors refused to give a pretty standard treatment to Elfie. They said there was nothing more they were going to do for him. Then the hospital applied to the courts to get custody of Elfie so that they could make decisions for him instead of the parents. And the decision that they wanted to do was to end Elfie's life. And the courts agreed. Tom and Kate then fought the decision and the case was in court until recently when the Supreme Court agreed with the doctors that Elfie must be killed. Tom and Kate were able to get the attention of the Pope and when he heard the story he wanted to help. So Italy agreed to give Elfie an Italian citizenship and there was a doctor that was willing to take Elfie and treat him. So Tom and Kate went back to court with this new information, but the courts refused and they said once again, Elfie must die. So the courts 
have or so the doctors had two arguments one the doctor said he's already dead he's brain dead two they said he's suffering and we need to end the suffering well dead people don't suffer so either he's not suffering so let him go to italy or he's not dead in which case let him go to italy so this week on monday elfie was taken off of life support and his parents were told he would die within a few minutes but he was before he was taken off life support they actually gave him fentanyl which would probably would be what he would actually die from but he didn't die so after 11 hours, the hospital finally agreed to give Elfie water. So think about that. It was a baby and they wouldn't give him water for 11 hours, but no nutrition was allowed. So after 48 hours, baby Elfie was not given any nutrition. Kate and Tom could not remove him from the hospital. In fact, there was police officers near the door to make sure they didn't leave with Elfie. So a mom forced to hold her baby and watch him starve to death. Italy sent a helicopter and it landed at the hospital and was asking for Elfie. And the parents went back to court. The doctors said Elfie couldn't leave the hospital because the parents were being too hostile to the doctors. Well, by leaving Elfie in the hospital, you're going to continue to have access to the parents. So it doesn't even make sense. Besides the fact they're murdering their baby. What do you think they're going to do? Be nice? Hostile would not be the word you would use to describe me if I was that parent. You'd have to come up with a much bigger word than hostile. There's a large vigil for Elfie growing in Poland. And last night, the Polish president tweeted that England courts needed to step in and save the life of Elfie. Then a German air ambulance crew made it into the hospital and was caught talking to Kate and Tom, where they were escorted from the hospital. A crowd is gathering outside the hospital and it's continued to grow. So the police presence is also growing. The entire front of the hospital is blocked by police. Kate and Tom decided they're going to get separate, separate representation. That way they can go to court separately and try to free their child. Tom made a statement that he was going to press charges against three doctors in the hospital and would be charging them with murder if Elfie dies. So the judge was really angry when he heard this. By Wednesday night, the judge had ordered there was no new evidence in the Elfie case. Even though the doctors had said Elfie was brain dead and could not live more than a few minutes without life support, and he's now been living for more than two days. The parents submitted two appeals, one in each name. The helicopter was ready to take Elfie to Italy. He could be there in a few hours, but by 7 o'clock Wednesday night, both appeals had been denied. Elfie once again sentenced to die. Although at that time, Tom made a statement that Elfie, it was starting to be given food and water. The hospital released a statement that the staff were experiencing unprecedented personal abuse. Well, maybe that's because the entire world is watching you try to kill a baby. Could that maybe be the reason? Sorry, I don't feel bad for you in any way. The staff at that hospital are either murderers or accomplished murderers. The police sent out a tweet that they are monitoring social media with anyone talking about Elfie. It's kind of a big deal since people go to jail all the time in England for saying the wrong thing on Twitter. This is the outcome of euthanasia. And we talked about this last week on our podcast and we talked about how euthanasia is really becoming a much bigger thing in Canada. So this is where we are headed in Canada. As a Christian, the only way to look at this is look at it the same way we look at murder because that's what it is it's murder when i speak on the pro-life argument one question i get is 
well, what about abortion in the case that the child has a disability? And I always say, well, would you kill a two-year-old with a disability? And the answer I always get back is, of course not. Well, now that's a thing. The government of England and the doctors are killing a two-year-old because they believe he has some brain damage. Also, if you're looking for ways to answer pro-life questions, check out my webpage at lauraleesiemens.com. Each Monday, I release a short video that answers a pro-life question. So our world is a disaster right now. We're living in a world where calling a person by the wrong pronoun is erasing their existence, but killing a child by starving him to death is ordered by the courts. This is our world today. As a Christian, it can be hard to even know where to start. As I was driving today and thinking about these stories, a song came on the radio. To so listen to these words, a restless generation, we're turning over every stone, hoping to find salvation in a world that's just left us cold. Can we get back to the altar, back to the arms of our first love? There's only one way to the Father, and he's calling out to us. To the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it looks like home. To the skeptic, it sounds crazy to believe in a God who loves. In a world where our hearts are breaking and we're lost in the mess we've made, like a blinding light in the dead of night, it's the gospel that makes the way. So what is the gospel? It's the good news that even though our world is a mess, there's hope. The one who created us loves us unconditionally. And even though we have sinned and turned on God, he came to be one of us. Jesus is God. Jesus didn't sin and Jesus is our hope. His death and resurrection is our way back to God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the only thing that will fix this broken world. So go back to the altar. Right where you are, fall on your knees and tell God what you've done. Confess your sins. Ask for forgiveness. Call out to Jesus, who is God. He will rescue you. He will forgive you. He will change you. That's the good news. That's the gospel. I'm Laura Lee Siemens. Visit my website for more information at lauraleesiemens.com.